You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to the Owls Buzz Podcast. My name is Noel Holdman, alongside Dan Petru. Be sure to subscribe to the Lighthouse Hockey Channel on iTunes, all the amazing shows, PT Isles, Islanders Anxiety. Uh, we're back now. Hockey's back. And we're talking with the radio voice of the New York Islanders, Chris King. Chris, how's it going? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Oh, we're doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Never thought we'd have some August uh, hockey. <laughs> but yeah, um, last night you did the, uh, the game you know, with the Ranger Islander exhibition game, you were in the Hofstra studio, right? With Greg Picker, correct? Yeah, we did it from the studios at Hofstra because obviously with the, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the NHL has said, at least for now, at least for the first few rounds, no local TV or local radio broadcasters are allowed in the buildings in Toronto or Edmonton. So basically they've given the choice to the broadcasters to either do it from your home arena or your home studio. And we just have a much better setup in the studio than we have at the arena, which is, it's got its own issues right now, as we all know. So we're certainly <laughs> not going there. But uh, it was very, very different. That, that's for sure. And it's funny, you talk about August hockey. I got to call the first July goal ever last night by a New York Islander, right? That first goal by Bo was uh, terrific. And now somebody else will get the first August goal ever on uh, Saturday. Now, it feels like last night was obviously, and these, these exhibition games are definitely a tune-up for the, le- the league and all the players who have been out. But it must also serve for you guys, for, especially for the broadcast, the radio broadcast, the TV broadcast. This is a great job for you guys to, to, okay, what are our obstacles? What are our hurdles? And what works well? How we can get through this very unique experience? 
And that's what we took it as, Dan, absolutely. Uh, for those who don't know, again, our setup is basically two big screen monitors. We're lucky enough to have two 55-inch television monitors uh, three feet in front of my face. So uh, nice and big and everything. And, and we kind of have one feed that's the program feed that you'd watch if you watch the television broadcast. And again, as you guys know, we had a secondary feed that's kind of a high center shot that shows us the whole rink. And uh, again, we had to work through some issues of our own. The league had some issues of their own. And, and uh, it was just hard for me to get used to, again, looking at one screen to kind of call the play-by-play. -play, but again, now looking at another screen to try to determine how much time is left in the period, how much time is left in the penalty. Right. Uh, and also the two screens weren't always synced. And uh, the biggest issue for us is actually the feed we were watching, the video, was about five seconds behind the audio. So the problem that that creates is, let's say you see the Islanders have a three-on-two and they're at the red line, right? I knew if I didn't hear the goal horn go off, they weren't going to score a goal on that rush because, again, the audio in my headset is five seconds ahead of what I'm seeing. And on the flip side of that, you know, I heard the horn go off on Bo's goal, and then I'm not seeing him score for another five seconds. So for those listening on the radio side, it had to be kind of bizarre to hear that horn go off that they blast when the goal scored. And I'm not telling you about the goal to five seconds later. So uh, that was the biggest challenge for us. And, again, the league knows about it, so they're trying to get it in sync. But, again, right now what we were hearing – was five seconds ahead of what we were seeing, and, and it was really hard to, to sync the two. This this setup, that, that, yeah, while unique for for watch for doing NHL, it, it's pretty common for international broadcast. It's common for um, the World Juniors, the World yeah. Championship, uh, U uh, Champions League. I know I directed for years doing those things where you have your anchors in Bristol, Connecticut, or Secaucus, New Jersey, and the games in Belarus or Slovakia. So I do think you guys, by, by game two or game three, you guys should be, you should be running no problem. Yeah, I hope so, Dan. And again, I leaned on my former partner, Steve Mears. He's now the voice of the Penguins. Right. The NHL Network a ton. And what you're talking about, he did the World Juniors. He did uh, the international call of the Stanley Cup Finals. And he's done a ton of stuff off the screen. So I really... Yesterday, got on the phone with him for about a half hour, just trying to, you know, pick his brain at all the things that, that I could expect. And he really laid it out there for me to try to, you know, see what I would be seeing and really help me along because uh, he's had a ton of experience doing games off monitors where I had not. Right. And then just about the game yesterday, it was typical Islander hockey, and it was boring, <laughs> defensive. They got a couple goals. Uh, that was, you know, strictly, you know, tune-up, but they pretty much had the lineup, I would assume, they're going to have for game one – but they played eight defensemen and the fourth pairing of, you know, Andy Green and Noah Dobson played really well. I think Andy Green is probably their best defenseman. Yes. Yes. Last night. Does that cause a little bit of a problem for Saturday for uh, Barry Trotz? I guess it's a good problem to have, Noel, right? You got eight healthy defensemen, and I give Barry credit. You know, not too many people are, are going to do what he did. I actually asked him the day before the game about the fact that the league had said, okay, look, you can dress 20 skaters instead of the 18 and asked him, you know, would he do what most teams do and do that? He said, yeah, I think I'm going to. And I assumed he would do what a lot of the other teams did, which is add one forward and add one defenseman. But the problem with that is, again, if you had a forward, you're throwing off the four lines, right, because somebody's got to sit out. And if you had a defenseman, you're throwing off the three pairs. So he kind of had a unique solution in that he went with just a straight 12 forwards, putting Ross Johnston in up front. And as you mentioned, playing a fourth pair that, you know, he's been praising that pair all throughout summer camp, the, the youngster Noah Dobson and the veteran Andy Green, and they had a terrific game. I mean, Andy Green's pass to send Bo away, and Noah got an assist on that as well, was just tremendous. So that's the big decision for him right now. I mean, does that pairing now, you know, surpass any one of the other three pairings that seem so set in stone? Obviously, Pelican and Pullock, uh, Taves and Mayfield, and Letty and Boychuk. Or does he say, look, you know, I may, you know, put one of those two guys in and leave the other six and play – 
you know, seven defensemen, 11 forwards. He did tell us in the post game last night he would consider 11 forwards and seven defensemen and kind of just leaving that one extra spot open up top that he could double shift somebody through. So um, I don't know if he'd go completely the bizarro route. I, I want to try to ask him tomorrow if he would ever think of dressing eight defensemen, all of them, and 10 forwards. But then you're really, you know, there's been 11 forwards who have really been locked in and no doubt they're going to play since uh, summer camp began. So he'd have to sit someone that really would be a surprising scratch. Were you surprised to see um, Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Wallstrom not join the team in Toronto? Yeah, I really was. And again, I know it's a numbers thing and, uh, you know, you're trying to get the best mix possible. But, you know, those guys, uh, sometimes young legs can be something that can really help you, right? And the Islanders are staring at those back-to-back matinees uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, right? 12 noon starts, back-to-back matinees. And I don't know if you guys saw this. It was pretty interesting. The league came out with the stats of the average age of the 24 uh, yes. playoff teams. And the Islanders are now the oldest team <laughs> of the bunch because of the fact they didn't bring over youngsters like Bellows and like uh, Wallstrom. But, you know, they decided to go with guys like Andrew Ladd, who's got two Stanley Cups, Tom Kunak, Aleel Komarov, those guys. Um, and again, you do have Otto Koivula, who's still there as a center, Michael Del Cole, who's a wing, so it's not completely devoid of youth. But, um, you know, we got a little taste of both of those guys you mentioned this season. Uh, they had great numbers at Bridgeport, didn't really translate to the NHL level. Kiefer had that one great two-goal game for sure. But I think for now, you know, Barry looked at it as, you know, I want the guys that have a lot of experience in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I'm sure, you know, that time will come for Kiefer and Oliver down the road. Now, you mentioned, like, you know, experience in the playoffs with, you know, Andrew Ladd won a couple cups, Tom Kunako, you know, the O'Connor been in the playoffs. But Barry starts um, Ross Johnston, which is a little bit of a surprise. He played, you know, just under 10 minutes. Uh, is that kind of an indictment about the guys who did not dress? Well, I think it was more a praising of Ross Johnston. And Barry has, you know, liked what he's seen. If you guys, you know, saw what happened during out that summer camp, all those guys I just mentioned all had a chance to kind of play on that third line left wing spot with Pajot and Broussard that's kind of been open. We saw Ross Johnson there. We saw Kunakle there. We saw Ladd there. We saw Del Cole there. So they all had some run. And I think Ross did a pretty good job last night of trying to say, hey, he wants to be that guy that's going to be, you know, on the ice Saturday afternoon in game one against the, the Florida Panthers. So I thought he had a physical game. I thought he was fast. He, you know, the only thing he did is take the one penalty. Obviously, he'd like to have that back. But I thought he did a good job. And it was funny. Derek Broussard had a media availability today. And he was asked about Ross. And he said, you know what, when Ross is in the lineup, everybody on the Islanders just feels a little tougher. So <laughs> I think the point is, look, you know you can do something and somebody's got your back. So uh, Barry called him a freight train during the summer camp and uh, nobody's messing with Ross the boss or any of the other guys wearing the Islander jerseys when he's out there. That's a good point, too. And you look over the years, even like when, when other players were here, I'm not going to mention any names specifically. Um, but when you had even we – all, we all love Matt Marr. We do but he was never able to prevent other of the star players from getting hit uh, or maybe getting a run taken at them or a posto getting a run taken at. It seems like since Johnson's been in that lineup, he's never lost a fight. Uh, maybe he's tied a few, yeah. but uh, no one touches anyone when he, when he's on the bench, but it, it's not just the fact that he has really improved as a hockey player itself. He can skate. He's not a liability out there. And he just does very simple things. Don't touch any of my players. I'm going to hit whatever I can hit, and I'm going to drive the net. And it's, it's a very simple game, but it's been very effective. 
Yeah, I agree with you, Dan. And I think he's underrated as far as the skills thing go. He does bring a bit of size for a guy that's, you know, 6'5 and 235 pounds. He does have some pretty good hands. We've seen him score a couple of goals. And you know what? He's going to create a lot of space for guys like Broussard and Pajot if he continues to play with them to do their thing. And, you know, they're such good playmakers, so skilled, both of them. Uh, it'll be fun to watch, I think. And, uh, you know, everybody enjoys his presence out there. He just might be right now the best heavyweight uh, in the National Hockey League as far as fighting if someone wants to go that route. But just more protecting, I think, as you mentioned, is the big thing. People know if you're going to, you know, if you're going to try to deck Matt Barzell, guess what? You're going to have Ross Johnston in your face within two seconds. Right. You mentioned J.G. Pajot, who had a seven-game losing streak, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he got the win. He got the win last night. Although it won't count. Um, you know, he, he didn't really stand out too much. You know, he wanted you know, his share of face-offs, which he does. Um, I'm sure he's pretty much eager to get these playoffs going and show what he can do. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, Derek Broussard, who's his great friend, talked a lot about him today because uh, Broussard was asked at his press availability what it was like, you know, to go back to wing this year, which really he'd been a center. And Derek said something very interesting about JG. He said, when we made the move to get Pajot, he goes, we got one of the best players that was available at the deadline, and we did it because we thought we had a chance to win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, you think about all the things Pajot brings. First of all, he's having a career year. He had 26 goals. He plays even strength. He plays power play. He plays penalty kill. He's good on the faceoffs. I mean, and, and then they lock him up for another six years, right? So, uh, and some can't uh, come, you know, Stanley Cup playoff time. Let's think back. He had a hat trick in a game against Montreal. He had a four-goal playoff game against the New York Rangers, including that. a time winner a couple of years ago. So, I mean, uh, he got the win out of his out of, under the belt and out of the way last night. So, I think we're going to see really good things from JG, uh, you know, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And just his presence alone, that was the glaring hole the Islanders had all season long until they brought him in was that third-line center. They're very set at one with Barzell and two with Nelson and four with Casey back now. But – that hole was there, and boy, did Lou do a terrific job to fill that vacancy. One of the nice things, too, is is that third line itself, defensively, with Pajot at center, Broussard saw his best offensive success when he was on wing this year, as you said. But if you're in a late, tight situation and a defensive zone draw, if Pajot gets kicked out of the draw, okay, Broussard can slide in there. It really gives Barry a little more flexibility with the ability for Broussard to jump around the, 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 from wing to center. Yeah, and Brass, you know, he talked about that today, too. He said, look, I can still take a lot of face-offs on my strong side, which he's going to do. I remember talking to Casey Sezikis about uh, Pajot as far as penalty killing goes. He says, look, gives us another guy that can take face-offs now right-handed on the penalty kill as well. So, um, you know, Barry is not hesitant to use him in every situation, and there aren't too many players these days who play, you know, at even strength, down a man and up a man, as he's doing right now. So uh, he had a bunch of shorthanded goals this season. He does a nice job right now in that bumper spot on the power play. So um, it's going to be fun to watch him. And, again, he and Brass are so close, you know, that they, they get along so well. I, during the summer – it was uh, Brass living at JG, JG living at Brass's place, and then they did the opposite when they came back to Long Island. As JG, well, JG's at Brass's place. It was the opposite of the summer as Brass was with JG up in uh, Ontario. So uh, you know, it, it's just great to see these two guys who have such chemistry off the ice now. Hopefully, finally have some on the ice. Right, and one thing about this pause, it gave a few honors, you know, a chance to get healthy, namely Adam Pellick, who you yep. know, we this year along with Casey Sikis and Johnny Poichuk, who had that trip, you know. Very serious, you know, skate to the yeah. you know, to the eye, which which really close, really doing a lot of you know a lot of permanent damage. But Adam Pellick, uh, you know, an unsung hero because around the league, no one even mentions it. Yeah. He's you know probably the Islanders' best defensive defenseman, and yep. go you know on Saturday against the Panthers, you know you have Sasha Barkov, you know right. that, that guy. So it's it's going to be a good matchup to, for Adam. 
Yeah, and, uh, and I, I think you're right, Noel. Absolutely. The league does not know about Adam Pellick, but guys like us who watch him every night, you realize how strong he is defensively. I agree with you that, to me, he's his, the, the best pure defender on the team, and it's the stick that everybody talks about. He's got that long reach. He's so good with that stick. And, uh, you know, during the course of the regular season when he was healthy, Pollock was the team leader in ice time, but Pellick was right behind him just about a minute back. So I thought last night was, you know, a really good game for them to have because – to me, the Rangers are so similar to the Panthers in that regard. And number one, they're high scoring. And number two, they kind of have two guys that they lean on to score big time. And those two guys are on separate lines. Last night, it was Ibanejad and Panarin who play on different lines. And obviously, Pelic's going to see a lot of Barkov and Huberto, who right now are playing on separate lines as well. So, uh, you know, Barry gets the last change in, you know, games one, two, and five. So if he wants that matchup, he can choose, you know, which of the lines to send Pelic out after. But obviously, last night, he didn't have a last change. But still, Pelic and Pollock did a great job of limiting. Panarin didn't even have a shot on goal. And Zibanejad, who was, you know, the hottest player in the league going into the pause, didn't have anything either. One thing to look at, too, I, I, I wonder, um, will Quinville try and match Barkov with Barzell as much as possible? Because I feel like that could be a really uh, defining moment in the series. How, does, how will Barzell handle one of the best two-way players in the game? That's a great point, Dan, and I think he will try to do that because obviously, you know, Matt Barzell, his game is all about offense, and he wants to just head north and do his thing. So if Joel can get the change, the last change, every time he sees Barzell on the ice, boom, he throws out, you know, his, his Barkov line. Uh, that's going to be a tough matchup. The Islanders could obviously change on the fly or, you know, I know – I would think from Barry's standpoint, he'd obviously want Pelly and Pulley on defense, but the Sezikis line would be the ideal matchup defensively against them, or certainly the Pajot line is no slouch defensively either. But uh, if I'm Quenville, I think that's what I'm trying to do. And that's one of the biggest uh, intriguing parts of this matchup is we've got, you know, the two current winningest coaches in the National Hockey League history right now, the active coaches, and two guys who are top five all time, guys who both won Stanley Cups. So this chess match between Quenville and Trotz is going to be a lot of fun to see how it plays out. And it's going to be key to see, uh, Adam, you know, Matt Barzell not take, you know, frustrating penalties if he's, you know, gets frustrated with Barclay. He took one last night. You know, he's done it in the past. So yep. this time of year, you don't want to see Trotz, you know, bench him for like the majority of a third period taking, you know, frustrating penalties. Yeah, that happened in that Ranger game. Remember, he was benched for the entire third period at the Garden. And, and last night especially, you never want to do what he did last night in a Stanley Cup playoff game. Islanders are going to the power play and three seconds into it, he's whistled off and suddenly, boom, there goes your power play with a chance to score. So that line's been so good, though, Noel, throughout the summer camp. And actually, right as the season ended, they were all averaging like better than a point a game for the last two weeks of the season. Anders Lee had a hat trick in one of the scrimmages. Jordan Everly, we saw what he did last year in the Penguin series. And he, even in the Carolina series, he was their leading scorer. Everly was in the playoffs. And Barzell had a really good first playoffs. He was second on the team. So uh, Barzy's pumped up for his second taste of, of Stanley Cup hockey. And, and that line, you know, hopefully will carry them offensively if they can kind of pick up where they left off. One last question before I let you go, Kinger. The the matchup, well, not so much the matchup, the lineup and goal for the Islanders. We have Varlamov and Grice. Do you get any sense which way Barry's leaning? They were both good last night, but Varlamov looked fantastic. And, they, you know, they both have been good in practice. Which way do you think he goes? And how long is the leash for whoever starts? Yeah, that's a great point, Dan. I certainly, certainly think it's Varley. Number one, if you just look at how it played out last night, right? Varley got two periods. Grice got one. Varley right. had a shutout. Grice allowed one goal. And that those three saves on Jesper Foss, the, you know, three in a row and that stack pad save, the last one, was just spectacular. So I think Varley's been his guy. 
to me, he tipped his hand by playing him two of the three periods last night. I think he's going to go. And uh, you know what? He's got a lot to prove. He hasn't played a Stanley Cup playoff game since 2014. If you go back to last season, at the start of the year, he was number one for the Avalanche in goal, but they bring on Philip Grubauer. By the time the season was over, Grubauer had passed him by, and it was Grubauer who played every minute of every playoff game for the Avs as they went two rounds before they went out, just like the Islanders. But Marley never saw the ice at all. So he's got something to prove, you know, that he could do it at Stanley Cup time. And he's going to look down the ice and see a fellow Russian in Sergei Bobrovsky, who's got a lot to prove as well. As, you know, he's coming off his worst regular season by far. And he gave up five goals as he played the whole game last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So um, I, I do think it's going to be Varley. But I love your point, Dan, about short leash. Certainly, you know, if he has a bad game one, especially in a best of five, you cannot hesitate to make a switch. You have to. Your season's almost on the brink with one loss in a best-of-five series. And then especially when you have games two and three back-to-back. -back. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's where you might see some of that defensive depth come in. I would be shocked if the same defensive right. group, you know, the same six or seven, if he even goes that route, you know, have the same group to play game two and game three with a back-to-back -back and matinee into matinee. I mean, you basically – That's a great play, point, Kinger. Yeah, play that game, go home, go to sleep, wake up, and go right back to the ring. So that, that's about as quick a turnaround as you can have. I actually got one more for you. Um, now, the Islanders have actually have home ice, you know, three series in a row. The Panthers are used to playing, I guess, half-empty arena. Uh, so, you know, the crowd is not – or lack of crowd is not going to be an issue. Will it be an issue for the Islanders who are used to, you know, having these electric crowds – at the Coliseum and even Barclays Center. Yeah, Adam Pellick talked about it today, guys. He said that was the strangest part for him. You know, we all wanted to ask him, how did it feel? How did it feel? He hadn't played a game since New Year's Eve of 2019 with that uh, Achilles injury that he had. But he talked about, you know, how strange it was to have no crowd noise, no anything to be able to hear everybody clearly on the bench. And, you know, he said it was very weird at the start, but they got into it as it went on. I think, you know, he indicated too, it'd be a different story Saturday when now you realize it's a playoff game instead of an exhibition game. But certainly I agree with you, Noel, the Islanders, and, and they know what the Coliseum meant to them. You look at the two incredible games against the Penguins a year ago, they win them both. They played two at Barclays Center against Carolina. They lost them both. So um, Carolina had a decent, uh, you know, uh, atmosphere when the Islanders played in that series down there in 2016. I do give them credit for that, but certainly nothing to me matches the Coliseum as far as just noise level in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Absolutely. But we'll, we'll look forward to hearing your call with Brett Picker on Saturday. Uh, hopefully it's, you know, it goes a little smoother and yeah. Uh, yeah, at least your trip home will be quicker, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, the funny, that's the funny thing for me, guys. For those who don't know, Hofstra University is directly across the street from Nassau Coliseum. So I literally have the exact same journey, but instead of turning left into the Coliseum, I turn right to Hofstra University. They're both on Hempstead Turnpike on the opposite side of the street. So it's kind of silly, but I do get like excited making the trip because it feels like I'm going to the Coliseum. <laughs> Absolutely. Chris, thank you so much. We'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, right. Thanks, Thanks Chris. You guys. Yeah, great talking hockey with you. Hopefully we have a nice long run. And let's do this in August and September and even October, all right? Absolutely. Sounds great. Definitely. Thanks. Yeah, take care, guys.